This podcast is sponsored by Prime Super, providing straightforward superannuation solutions to Australian businesses for over 20 years. Go to primesuper.com.au to see what we can do for you. The Australian Journal of Rural Health has a special issue out this month titled Aging in Rural Australia, jointly edited by Dr Evelyn Spelton from La Trobe University and Professor Oliver Burmeister from Charles Sturt University, the issue draws together 13 research papers that show that ageing is not just about institutionalised care, illness and death. And joining me to talk about this is Dr Spelton. Evelyn, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So the editorial for the issue says that we have a rapidly ageing population, which we, everyone always talks about, but this is also wealthier, better educated better housed and contributes more both paid and volunteer work um, than ever before. So can you tell me a bit about, uh, about these ideas? Um, yes, well, I think it's, uh, it's based on, a, on previous work that the journal has done on the same topic uh, where we actually found those stats. And I think the, one of the important, interesting ones is that, uh, you know, we have an image of older people being frail. Um, and in fact, they are a large contributor to community volunteering a massive contributor in a sense. I think it's about 60% of people over 65 do volunteer work mm-hmm. and that's important. So it's, I think it's important that we uh, reassess how we think about aging in old people or older people. Yeah, no, it's like I said in the editorial, it seems mm-hmm. it was really striking when I was looking up images just as, a, you know, as one way of getting a bit of inspiration for writing this editorial that um, the two images that came up were either, you know, the completely depersonalized, very frail, pigmented hands in a lap or very um, happy, healthy people jumping around and you would mistake them for teenagers but for the fact that they've got grey hair. And I think the reality is when you read the articles in the in the journal special issue that the reality is much more varied mm-hmm. and there's a lot uh, happening around that, mm-hmm. around ageing and there's a lot of, I think a lot of older people or people who are ageing would like uh, input in their own circumstance and situation because they are, you know, wealthier, more educated. I think they can also do that. Uh, and I think we need to give that due consideration. And I think the nice thing about the issue is that the research actually shows that there is ca- capacity to do that. And that gives us a slightly richer picture of what's happening mm-hmm. in that um, age period. And you asked the question in your piece, um, are we growing old gracefully in rural and remote areas? I mean, what is your answer to that? Uh, what did you find? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you ask the question, then, then you have to answer it, right? <laughs> um, uh, to a degree we are, to a degree we are not. And I think one of the reasons um, why we may not be, which is I think also based on the research that we're finding, is that yeah, older people might not be as involved in their care. And, and not just in their care, but also in their circumstances. And of course, there are the, the general issues around uh, rurality uh, when it comes to healthcare. And of course, this is the Australian Journal of Rural Health. So this has got a focus on health. When it comes to healthcare, we're often talking about under-resourced areas. So it's difficult to, uh, to get the medical care that you need. Um, so I think there is the potential. I think there is also, I don't think the stats completely support it, but there is a move. There's, at least we see a trend of older people moving to the region or staying in the region because there are some clear benefits for them to live in the region. Um, but there are also some challenges in mm-hmm. terms of getting access to care. 
Another interesting piece of work looks at the aging farming workforce and the issues that that can create in rural and remote and for the wider population. Yes, well, that's that is that is definitely an issue in itself, which is of course um, much more complex um, than um, you know talking about aging in general. It's about um, the substantial workforce issues, there's issues around climate change that have impact on that workforce. Um, I think it's. We know there's some. I'm, I'm hesitant because I haven't done the research myself, so I just can't sort of jump and say, "Oh, yes, these are the percentages of people who have problems." Uh, but we know, you know, it, it doesn't take much to open a newspaper to find information around farmers struggling in rural, remote communities, mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm, uh, with I'm, their I'm, profession I'm, as well as with and then the consequences of of the work that they're trying to do and uphold and the impact it has on their health and well-being. And I'm assuming this has a knock-on effect then for the the health of the community as a whole. I guess if they're if they're economically disadvantaged due to the the aging workforce and farming workforce, care will suffer as, as a result. Yes, and it's also I think there is on the other hand there's probably a shift. I mean, if I look at my own community, which I'm based in Madura, um, you know, there is a romanticized version of the single farmer doing all that work, whereas actually there's a lot of large companies owning a lot of farms. So I think the whole the pressure and 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 the image we have again of you know it's about possibly thinking in stereotypes as well. I think there are different pressures on farmers than the ones that we might think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that it's it's very competitive, it's very big. Um, you know, there's a lot of challenges there. It's really difficult for the, the single farmer, the, the smaller farms, to actually remain sustainable. And I think if you live in a rural area, you will have seen that change happen already. So. It, um, I don't think it's it's the farmers that necessarily support the communities. I think it's 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 complicated in the sense that they um, um, they're very big companies that um, own a fair number of farms. In as much as I know about farming, um, and that has a different dynamic with the community because they're often uh, not locally owned anymore. Another. So Another significant part of the journal, I think two, maybe three papers, looks at the uh, palliative care in rural and remote areas. And one in particular looks at the into the capacity to provide palliative care at home and dying yeah. home in rural areas. What What is the crux of this um, paper? Well, that's I feel a bit more comfortable with because that's the research I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, it's actually showing that um, um, I think we started the research because there clearly wasn't... Um, a request in the community. A lot of people wanted to die at home, and we found that about seventy percent of people uh, still die in hospital. Um, and so then we did a trial with the community palliative care service, and we actually found that it was very possible uh, for people to die at home. And that again was also the idea that people in remote areas would probably value that more, or would they find it even more important? Though I think a lot of people would like to shape that last stage of their lives. Um, so we found that it's very doable in a smaller community, and part of that is because one of the advantages of a smaller community is that a lot of the health services are often aligned. It's easier to align them all and to make sure that everybody's on the same page when it comes to providing service. And that, for instance, prevents that somebody's transported to hospital when they don't really want to go to hospital in that last stage of life. So it's uh, we found that it's actually doable, and we've also found that the communities find it really important that that service is there, and they were very surprised to have that service there. Mm-hmm. Because people start to think and believe that, you know, when you get really ill, you have to go to hospital to die. 
not every small community will have a hospice, but we found that this service uh, made it very possible for people to uh, and for families to support them because that is the crux of it. You know, somebody in your family might want to die at home, but the family doesn't feel supported to provide that service. And with support from specialized palliative care nurses uh, in our community, we made that possible. Were there any highlights for you personally or any insights that you got from working on this uh, this special issue that, or any insights that we can put into practice? Well, I think the, the most important thing, I think, is that um, I think there were two things. One is I think we need to engage all the people and talk to them. It feels bad to talk about all the people all the time. I'm old myself, I guess, so I'll be in that group. Um, I think it's important to engage all the people in their care, to involve seniors um, in what we're doing, and also to involve them in our research um, around the shaping of healthcare, um, rather than see them as a group that we need to um, service and not really actively engage with them. Like we said before, you know, there's there's a lot of capacity in that group at the moment, and we need to uh, use that. The other thing I think is important, and that's what the special issue does, it actually draws together a lot of research in this area, and it demonstrates what's happening and what's already been done. So it's good for people to look at that, to read the journal. It's, I think for the first month, um, we have free access to it. You can download all the papers and, um, you know, get a sense of what's already happening. But it also points out some things that are not happening. Um, and But it also prevents having to do the same research again. So that's a good thing, I think. If you see, look at the journal and you see what's happening in this area, then it's easier to... Um, to think about what, what other researchers might want to do in this domain already. They can sort of work on what's already been done. Mm-hmm. So two positives. One is I think, you know, one of the take-home messages for me is to engage all the people in uh, the shaping of their healthcare and also involve them in the research that we're doing. And the other thing is acknowledging that there is a lot of research happening and it's good to take note of that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's an interesting issue. Um, Dr. Evelyn Spelton, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you.